Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Lovely to hear the chatter. And a chance to continue that after the service. We'll have teas and coffees and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know what you, over the years, have done over the different summers that we've had. Um, One of the things got into after marrying Wendy is, is walking. Um, when I was younger, my family, we didn't really go walking. We used to run, but didn't go on long walks. And uh, we finally got our kids into it. And uh, every time we took them on a walk, they'd say, do we have to? Do we have to? Every time they went on one, they said, can we do that again? That's the way it is. That's the way it is with kids. And a few years ago, Wendy and I, for some reason, you know that we, many of you know, we lived in the northeast of England. We just started to do a little bit of coastal walking because we lived near the coast. So we did one or two, not amazingly long, anywhere between eight and ten miles. One, we kind of didn't plan it quite right because we walked ten miles and then walked ten miles back. But there you go. We kind of got a little bit better organizing them from then on. So we walked down the east coast. And in the end, we went from just north of Berwick down to Scarborough. Um, so if you know in the northeast, that's, that's quite a long way. And then we kind of got bored of that, and we didn't want to walk to Hull, to be honest. So we just. So then we decided to go to walk around Cardigan Bay. Don't think Cardigan Bay in Wales. They kind of that bit, isn't it? So it's about 180 miles. Then last year we started to walk down the, a little bit of the D- Jurassic Coast. Coast. So that is the Dorset coast I think so we did about 40 now when we go on our walk I mean Wendy kind of likes to stop and look around and take photos send photos to the kids and stuff like that I just like to think how many miles we've done are we nearly there and I last year I thought I want to know how many miles we've done over the last few years and so we looked at it and added it up and I'm glad to say I have walked 500 miles And we're going to walk 500 more. <laughs> and when you're on these particular trips, so even though, kind of, because coastal walking, to be honest with you, it sounds easy. You're not walking on the beach because there's a lot of up and down. There's a lot of up and down. And, um, but the thing that you want to know is that you're on the right path. I do anyway, because I don't want to walk any longer than I need to. Um, but even when you're on the right path, there's challenges to coastal walking because the weather's unpredictable. I kind of suffer from blisters a little bit, getting, getting better with that. Um, it can be, you can get thirsty, you can get hungry, you can get tired. I can get a little bit grumpy, hard to believe. And, and sometimes we do walk a few yards in front of or behind each other, so... Anyway, don't, we're not going to go into that, so... Um, that's when we lose direction, I think. Kinda... But the thing is, quick jump. <laughs> Even when you're on the right path, there's challenges, aren't they? Even when you're on the right path, there's challenges in life. And Jesus promised that, didn't he? He wasn't a prophet of doom in any way. But he said to, even to his followers, he says, um, in this world you will have trouble. But, he goes on to say, take heart, I've overcome the world. That's quite a big statement, isn't it? I've overcome the world. And as a pastor, it's interesting that sometimes people often say to me, even when they've gone through a difficult time, many, often they'll say to me, I cannot imagine 
how people go through life without God. Just can't imagine how they do it. And I've come to the conclusion, even for Daniel, he was better off in the lion's den with God than outside of it without him. Now, if I was in the lion's den, I might not have felt it. But that is the truth. Now, this morning, for a few moments, I'd like to look at uh, the path that Joshua was on, a particular, his initial journey, and a particular challenge that he was facing quite quickly. Now, at the start of the book of Joshua, it's recorded about how God speaks to Joshua as he takes on the mantle from Moses to, to lead the nation of Israel. And that first few verses of Joshua chapter 1, some of the first verses that I learned when I became a Christian, everybody seemed to be talking about Joshua chapter 1. And one particular verse, verse 9, as Joshua takes on this particular journey, Have I not commanded you, he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God was quite honest that this path, you know, that you're going to be on, Joshua, you're going to need courage. You are going to need strength. Now, I reckon there's a difference between disappointment and discouragement. I think there's a big difference between disappointment and discouragement. Because here God tells Joshua, as he goes, never be discouraged. But he didn't say you can't be disappointed. You can be disappointed, but discouragement, the problem with discouragement, it holds us back. It cripples us. It stops us from going forward. So he tells Joshua not to be discouraged, whatever happens. Now, Dr. Henry Cloud, in his book, Boundaries, a very good Christian book, he says this, change is frightening, but it may comfort you to know that if you are afraid, you're possibly on the right road, the road to change and growth. So Joshua was going to face not only challenges that Moses had faced, but some of his own. But they were to be victories. There's victories to be won. So Joshua had taken over overall leadership from Moses after 40 years. And let me say this, that when it comes to life and responsibilities life or situations in life, some things just come as part of the territory. They're just part of it. So if you are a teacher, then some challenges are part of the territory. If you work for the NHS, some challenges are part of the territory. If you are a church leader, some challenges become part of the territory. If you are a parent, some challenges are part of the territory. So as Peter says, when people became Christians or in Portuguese, don't, don't think something strange is happening. Because some things just come as part of the territory. They're just normal aspects of life. But when Joshua takes on the nation of Israel, his first challenge, well actually his first challenge was to get them to the River Jordan. Hundreds of thousands of them, he had three days to get them all in one place. Now that is a miracle. To get hundreds of thousands of people in one place, just like that. Because they were going to cross the River Jordan. And that's what they did. Now, they'd been in the desert for 40 years. Over the River Jordan was Canaan, where they're supposed to be, the land flowing with milk and honey. But the River Jordan was in, it's reckoned it was in full flood, is about a mile across. There were no bridges. It would take a miracle to get across. They couldn't swim it. So, similar to the Red Sea, God did something to part the River Jordan so that they could get through. 
into the promised land. But interestingly enough, as soon as they go over the River Jordan, then it starts flowing again, and they can't go back. They can't go back. There was no going back. And it actually says that the manna, in Joshua 5 verse 12, the manna stopped the day that they, had, they first ate anything in Canaan. At that point, God stopped providing supernaturally for them the food, the manna that he had been providing for them. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but they only ate of the produce of Canaan. I'm just saying that because God is saying, now you're through this, you can't go back. You can't keep looking back. You can only go forward. But then Joshua comes up against an even bigger challenge early on in his leadership, and that is this fortified city of Jericho. The whole known world were terrified of Jericho. So this was Joshua's situation. Got Jericho in front of them, the River Jordan behind them. They can't go back. They can only go forward, and it's only Jericho in front of them. They were literally between a rock and a hard place. Where do we go from here? How was the Lord going to deal with this particular challenge? Now what is important here is that one of the things that God in Scripture encouraged the Israelites to do time and time again is to look back on his faithfulness. Look back on his goodness. Look back on his power. Look back on his commitment. And it's good for us at times not to be looking back, but to remember God's goodness of what God has done for us in times of need and times of trouble. So the previous generation go through the Red Sea. But they'd all died out by this generation, and this generation goes through the River Jordan. I think God was reminding them of what he could do how big and powerful he was. And as Joshua and the others, some of them reflected on what God had done and what heard what God had done, that in the desert God had provided food, he'd provided water, he'd he'd provided shoes that didn't wear out. I like the idea of one pair of shoes. Do you like the idea of one pair of shoes? Some of you are nodding. I like that idea. There's no stopping off at the latest whatever. Shopping center for shoes. Provided the Ten Commandments, protection, guidance, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And Joshua would remember all these things that God had done. And that's why we take communion, isn't it? The biggest thing that we needed, God, God dealt with. That is why we get baptized. We remember. We remember. That's why we look back on being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now we go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, but we remind ourselves when we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the verse in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So even if we don't feel it, He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So Joshua now, though, faces arguably his greatest leadership challenge, this massive obstacle in his way. Now there's times, aren't they, where we come across a situation, an obstacle, an unresolved issue, a challenge, and it's difficult to see beyond it, isn't it? 
that is all I see is this particular challenge. It could be a task, it could be a project, it could be an assignment, it could be a difficulty, it could be a, a decision to be made, it could be a person, it could be a day that we're dreading or a week that we're dreading. And we could be forgiven for thinking, this was the same for Joshua, that he would not be able to see beyond this particular challenge of Jericho, but I believe that he could. I believe that he could. Because Joshua, decades before, had been here. He had been one of 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land to see how good it was. And Joshua uh, Joshua went back with the 12, and 10 of them, all they could see was challenges. All they could see was difficulties. All they could see was Jericho, and, and everybody seemed like giants to them. And Joshua and his mate Caleb, they'd been here before. And when they went back, what did they say? They said, this land is amazing and God is bigger than it all. God is bigger than any challenge that we're going to face once we get into that land. Now, that whole generation didn't go in because they believed the ten rather than the two. So Joshua had been here before. He could see beyond Jericho. He knew that beyond this challenge was all that God had for them. It is as we face challenges, it's as we face challenges that we discover how amazing God is. That is how we discover how amazing he is. Now, God knew that Jericho was going to be there. I mean, they didn't go through the River Jordan and God thought, oh no, I forgot about Jericho. He knew Jericho was going to be there. Now, I like the little personal testimony of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I won't go into the whole detail, but he had this thorn in the flesh. He was facing these different challenges. And he gives a very short little bit of testimony. And he says, but he said to me, and he's talking about God, the Lord Jesus said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul goes on to say, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So Joshua here takes another look at Jericho. In chapter 5, verse 13 to 15, says this. We'll just follow this. Two or three verses. Chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So, as Joshua stands a step back from Jericho, somebody comes up to him. And people have argued to who this commander-in-chief was. Was it an angel? Well, some Bible scholars are not too sure it was an angel because angels don't like to be worshipped. Some people think it was maybe a pre-incarnation of Jesus himself. We're not absolutely sure, but it's the commander-in-chief. Then it says, Joshua fell, fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for this servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing 
is holy ground, and Joshua did so. Now, every year or every season of worship, there seems to be different themes of worship, which, which is good. And there's been a little bit of a season over the last few years about God fighting our enemies for us, or God being with us, fighting our enemies. Now, don't miss the point here. This is not suggesting, none of these songs are suggesting that God is going to smite everybody that disagrees with you. I'm sorry if that's what you're getting excited about when you're singing those songs, because that's not what this is about. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about, doesn't he, about loving our enemies, praying for our enemies, doing good to those who don't do good for us. I mean, Jesus says, doesn't he, it's easy to love those who love us, but we should love our enemies. But the one that I do like, uh, one, uh, most of them I like, to be fair, the one by Phil uh, Wickham, Battle Belongs, and there's a couple of lines within it that I particularly like. It says, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands held lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. I, I really do like that. But let us pause just for a moment. Let us pause just for a moment to say this. That not all battles are battles to be fought. Not all battles are battles to be fought. And the scripture reminds us that uh, we don't wage war as the world does against flesh and blood. And a friend of mine who actually was my boss for many years, and uh, I remember, and I can picture him saying it so many times, choose your battles carefully. Choose your battles carefully. And many times I have sensed personally that when I've been in a battle with something or about something, there are times when I'm sure I felt God saying, why are you fighting this battle? Why are you digging your heels in here? Why are you arguing? Because it feels as if it's for the sake of it at the moment. Now, I do think back to when we wanted to get one of our children into the sixth form, local sixth form, and it was very popular sixth form. They had 600 in the sixth form, very big. And we weren't getting him in, so myself and Wendy, we thought, we'll, we'll, we'll try the polite approach. So we went in and we're very polite and he very politely said no. <laughs> and so two or three times we went back and said, okay, we're going to have to review it. We'll make a decision. They made a decision and it was still no. I was not happy. And I don't think it's because he didn't get in. He just didn't like being said no to. That was partly it as well. And I thought this head of sixth form, who was quite young, and I thought, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. How can we make life difficult for him? I know, I know. A fleeting thought, fleeting thought. But I was having a quiet time, and, um, and I was reading James chapter 4, and I smile now, James chapter 4, because this was on my mind, because I was definitely, after my reading, going to pray about this again. And James chapter 4, verse 1 or 2 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You covet but can't get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And if God, if God is saying, this is a battle that's within you, Phil. 
This is your battle within you. That's the problem here. You're not getting what you want. Let it go. And I had this strong sense. Because I pictured myself, okay, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? I felt God saying, Phil, this is a battle you're not going to win. And it's not a battle that you should win. You need to let it go. So it's not wrong for Christians to battle, but choose our battles carefully, prayerfully. What is God saying? Now, this was a battle for Joshua to fight because it says, um, as the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. So there was going to be a confrontation. It's not as if fighting things is not, it's not always wrong. So the commander of the Lord's army come. But this was God's timing. This was going to be God's way. There was not going to be a delay. So the big question is, is it a battle that we need to be fighting? The next big question, how do we fight this battle? And one thing I'm kind of growing to learn or trying to learn is when I come across situations that I'm not too sure how to find a way through, I'm starting to learn that God knows everything and he has all wisdom and he always finds a way. He always knows what the way is. Nothing throws him. Nothing surprises him. And a couple of times recently, I just said, Lord, I don't know how we're going to get through this one. But he has a way. How do we approach things? In any area of battle, not just for Joshua, in every area of responsibility, we appreciate we are on holy ground. What, what was the first thing that the angel or the Lord said to Joshua? Joshua, you're on holy ground. That is the first thing to remember. We're on holy ground in any area of responsibility. And when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up, verse 13, and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword, as we said, in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked him, Are you for us or our enemies? Whose side are you on? Friend or foe? Friend, actually. Now, it'd be easy for us to think, well, of course he's on Israel's side, wasn't it? But whose side are you on? Neither, said the Lord. Neither. I think it's great. Bit of scripture, that. They just assumed that God would be on their side. Now, in general terms, don't misunderstand here, God is very much for us. God is very much for us. And in uh, Romans 8 verse 31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How can not God not be for us? How can he not be for us? Doesn't mean he's always on our side. In every battle that we engage in. A friend of mine used to head up the Christian socialist Party, And I remember before one of the general elections a few years ago, um, him putting on social media as a joke, 10 reasons why Jesus would not vote conservative. Only found 10, there we go. <laughs> not going to get political. And then 
a friend of his had put on social media 10 reasons why Jesus wouldn't have voted Labour. And it was humorous reading. Whose side is God on? Whose side is God on? Romans 8 verse 28 says this. And we know that in him all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. What is right in this situation? That's why it's important that we pray on our own, read our Bible. It's important that we join together in prayer uh, in the autumn. We're going to have a prayer room. We're going to have 100 hours of, pr- and 100 hours of prayer consecutive. People use the prayer room. We pray for people on Sunday mornings. So Joshua, interesting, Joshua says, whose side are you on? The Lord says, neither. The Lord says, Joshua, you are on holy ground. Joshua falls to his knees. Then the Lord says to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. That is when God says Jericho is yours. And what follows, what follows, is the strangest recorded battle in military history. There's been no battle like this since, or there never will be. Because as we close, the Lord says to Joshua, what I want you to do is walk around the city of Jericho, all hundreds of thousands of you, once a day for the next six days, quietly, silently. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times, then blow all these trumpets and shout out. You don't have to be silent. And it says, doesn't it, when you hear the sound of the long blast of the trumpets, make all the people give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse. So here was the strangest military action. This was definitely a one-off. And Dave Smith in his book, 40 Days with Jesus, which many of us have read, he says this. I thought it was really good. He says, is it possible that your desire to see God acting in a particular way has blinded you to the possibility that God might be acting in some other way? God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than than our thoughts. So God demonstrates for Joshua what only God could do. Now Joshua still had to act, he still had to respond, he still had to follow the Lord's leading. But the Lord knows what brings glory to his son. He knows what brings glory to his son. And in a moment we're going to finish with a song and uh, one couple of lines of it says this, it's all about you Jesus and all this is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's not about me, it's not about us, as if you would do things our way. You alone are God, and I surrender to your ways. God knows the correct timing. He knows the correct attitude. He knows the right approach. For Joshua, for the Apostle Paul who we touched on, for us today, we're reminded his grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weakness. And I pray this morning that you'll know the peace of God 
as you face different challenges. I'm not prophesying doom. Life has challenges. I pray that you'll know God's peace, God's strategies, God's wisdom. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up uh, to join me. In a moment, we'll finish with this song that I mentioned, but I'd like us to pray. So I'm going to invite you, um, yeah, not to focus on the band setting up because they need to do that, but let's just close our eyes for a moment as we reflect on this. I had this sense that this, this morning, at different times of worship, that um, there's individuals in both locations saying, God, I want to do what you want me to do here, but I can't see a way through. I need to hear you. I need to hear you. I'm willing to hear what you would have me to do in this situation. I'm not too sure how it's going to be dealt with but I'm willing to hand it over to you for whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say. And I'm not going to invite people forward uh, to pray this morning, to pray for you particularly, specifically. But if you're in a situation, say, God, I really need to hear your voice, and I'm open, open to hear what you've got to say about this situation, what you want me to do here. This is playing on my mind, but I'm happy to go with what you want. Please speak to me. Please speak to me. Please confirm what you're saying. I want to, I want to pray that you will have a, you'll have a real clarity of what God is saying about the situation that you might be in. And if that's you, I'm not going to say you need to get on your knees, knees but why don't you say to God, this is me. I'm coming before you humbly to hear from you here. I hand this over to you. Why don't you stand to your feet as a sign to the Lord, saying, God, this is me doing this, and very much I'll be praying for you. So why don't you stand to your feet, and then I'll pray. happens from time to time in all of our Christians' lives. Challenges are not, doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong. Just wait a few more moments. For those who are standing, while everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm just going to invite you for 30 seconds to bring your prayer to the Lord this morning is a sense saying, God, I am bringing this to you, not handing over my responsibility, but, but it brings a peace when we cast our burdens upon him because he cares for us. And we, we pray, say, Lord, I will go with whatever you say. Please bring clarity. Why don't you pray your own prayer for 30 seconds or so, and then I'll pray.
Lord, we do thank you that you have led us in so many ways. Lord, you've known what we've needed before we've asked. Known a way through before we've asked. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we receive one blessing after another. And Lord, we can reflect, we can reflect so much on your goodness and your grace towards us. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that over these next few days that there'll be a real sign that you're, you're here within this. Just clarity that you're, you are with them. And Father, we do pray that you would impart your wisdom as your word says, Lord, that if we lack wisdom, which we do, ask for it because it's one of the very things you want to give to us. And Lord, I pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom, Lord. Pray for understanding. Pray for discernment, Lord. Pray for guidance. Pray for strategy, Lord. Pray for grace. Pray for strength. Pray, Lord, for assurance, Lord, that you have this. And, Lord, we pray as we, we have come, Lord, figuratively speaking, on our knees, Lord, that you would bring deliverance, that you would bring freedom, that you would bring victory, Lord. You'd bring honor to your name. Lord, we thank you that you are, you are so much for us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you pour out your grace, Lord. Pour out your peace. Pour out that assurance, Lord. Yeah, this morning, we thank you, Lord. We receive from you. God is for us who can be against us. Lord, we thank you that you are so for us. And I pray, Lord, that would be sealed within our hearts. That you go before us, Lord. We follow you because you go ahead of us. You are ahead of us. You are in front of us, Lord. Thank you for that. And Lord, we commit each other to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I invite, uh, why don't we all stand and um, uh, sing this last song together. And uh, if you'd still like someone to pray for you personally, we'll be delighted to do that. Wendy and myself and others will be at the front. And uh, feel free to do that at the end of the service. Thanks, Isaac.